The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. To thee, Lord. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And so he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But this lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all are lucky. You're the test pilot for my new Bible that I'm going to preach from this week. Uh, It still has the new Bible smell. Um, But what's great about this one is I can see the whole chapter, the whole 10th chapter of Luke as I'm preaching. And that's important because earlier... Jesus, you know, so last week, right, the 72, they come back from preaching and teaching in Jesus's name. They're so amazed that they can cast out demons. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. I know that's really cool that you can cast out demons, but don't let that be what you're excited about. Be excited about not just the the supernatural cool stuff you're doing, but be excited that your names are written in the book of life. You get to be blessed by walking and talking with Jesus, by knowing God face to face. And Jesus closes uh, that portion by saying, um, many prophets and kings of old, they desired to see what you're seeing right now. 
They desired to hear what you're hearing right now in my teaching, but they didn't get to hear it. They didn't get to see it. But they had faith that it would happen one day. And it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things, hidden them. Thank you, Lord, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such is your gracious will. So the Father hides understanding and wisdom from those who say that they're wise and understanding. And he reveals it to those that have faith like little children, that have a trust relationship with God. And so who comes and talks to Jesus next? None other than a man who is supposedly wise and understanding, a lawyer, not someone that's chasing ambulances or anything like that, but a guy that studies the Torah all the day long. He knows all of the Torah by heart. He knows all of the Levitical laws, and he'll catch you in the street. If he sees you, you know, using some of that uh, pork fat that you got for cheap to cook your eggs, he'll see it. He's a lawyer. He's following people. Could you imagine how annoying that would be? He's following around Jesus to try and prove him wrong all the time. When Jesus is healing people, raising people from the dead, saying beautiful things, challenging people. There's this guy like following him around, sometimes looking in windows and being like, Jesus, I disagree with what you're saying. That's what the lawyers, the Pharisees were doing. And so here we get this lawyer and he stands up to put Jesus to the test. He says, teacher, which is kind of cool, he admits Jesus is a rabbi. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do for salvation, to be saved? And so Jesus, you know, sometimes when people are, they, they try and trick you by getting you to say something. Sometimes you just say, well, what do you think? You know, because you, you, you try to get to the, the root of the, the question they're trying to ask you, trying to figure out what they want you to say by flipping it on them. What, what do you think, Jesus says? You're so smart. You know the Torah. What, what does it say to you? And the guy, he, he quotes Deuteronomy and our Leviticus Old Testament reading. He mushes them together. And, you know, he gives a very good summary. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which is a pretty good, pretty good answer. Jesus says, yeah, you've answered correctly. Bingo, right? Do this and you'll live. Do this and you'll have eternal life. Have a faith relationship, a trust relationship with our Father in heaven and let that faith relationship inform how you treat your neighbor. But what does Jesus say just a little bit before? Thank you, Father. You've hidden these things. From the wise and the understanding, and you've revealed them to little children. So there's something that this lawyer, the wise and understanding man, just doesn't get. And keep in mind, this is the same group of people that before have come to Jesus and said, Jesus, 
Is it true that you have a demon and are a Samaritan? Like, can you imagine, um, you know, it's just like one of those things where someone's just laying it out, their assumptions that they're bringing to our discussion. Is it true that you have a demon and you're a Samaritan? And what does Jesus say? I don't have a demon. Does he say, I'm not a Samaritan? He doesn't. It's very confusing. Why? Why would Jesus not renounce that he's one of the most hated people in the area? Not to mention the Samaritans hate the Jews and the Jews hate the Samaritans. Why wouldn't Jesus say, oh, no, 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 I'm not a Samaritan. I'm just like you. Buy what I'm selling. Because it's not what Jesus is all about. And instead of just giving this guy an answer, who is my neighbor? Jesus being Jesus tells a story. And like, just try and keep in your mind like, Where does he answer, who is my neighbor? So we get this classic. A man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Not a very safe journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's, you know, probably leaving, being at the temple to do his sacrifices, and he's going somewhere else. He falls among robbers. They take all this stuff, they beat him up, and they leave him half dead. And then this priest comes by. He's going down the road, but keep in mind, he's a priest, and he doesn't want to have to, when he gets to wherever he's going, he just came from the temple, this priest. He's clean. He's ceremonially clean. And he needs to, when he gets wherever he's going, he's got to keep doing his priest stuff. So I don't have time to be unclean by touching this guy with open wounds by maybe he's dead. I don't want to have to go through a multi-day process of becoming clean and washing. I'll just go on the other side and pass by. And then comes a Levite. Maybe someone that could have been a priest but didn't go for it. Because to be a priest, you have to be from the tribe of Levi. And when he saw him, he too didn't want to unclean himself. And so he passes by. But all of a sudden, this Samaritan, and no, this isn't an anti-clerical story. A Samaritan now comes by. He's, he's going to walk by. He's journeying. Who knows why he was in Israel? And he comes to this place where the guy is and he sees this guy half dead on the road, this Jew who he hates and this Jew who hates him, a Samaritan. And he stops because he has compassion. Just like when Jesus sees the people, the crowd of people, when he's going to feed them, the 5,000 plus people, he sees the crowd, he said, it says, Jesus saw the people and they were like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. Or the uh, parable of the prodigal son, the son sees his prodigal son returning from afar 
how messed up he is. And he has compassion on him. Now, what does compassion in Greek mean? Well, it's, it's, it's technically, it's like his gut spilled out. Which is kind of cool, because when we think of compassion, we think of a guttural feeling. So Jesus felt it in his gut when he saw those people without a shepherd. The father felt it in his gut when he saw his son returning, who is gone. And this Samaritan felt it in his gut. He had a conscience. This guy on the side of the road needs my help. I need to stop. So he gets down. He binds up his wounds. He pours oil and wine on him. And then he puts him on his own animal. Who knows what that would have done. I'm not really, you know, brushed up on my Samaritan uh, religion. I know that they practiced a lot of magic and occultism. Uh, They worshipped on Mount Gerizim instead of the temple. But they supposedly held to the five books of the Torah. So they'd probably have similar uncleanness laws. So this guy was putting himself at a disadvantage. Putting him on his own animal, touching him, pouring on this oil that would clean the wound and wine that would sanitize it. But then he brings him to an inn. He puts two days wages on the table and he says to the innkeeper, please take care of him. Whatever you need, when I get back, I'll pay for it. And that's how Jesus answers this man's question. Who among these three was a neighbor to the man who had robbers? And so the lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus says, you go and do likewise. Kind of cool. But it's also very disorienting. It doesn't necessarily make sense. Why would Jesus teach us that our neighbor is only the person that helps us? It seems to go against what Jesus has been teaching up to this point. You know, what? think of um, some of the, you know, uh, out there, poignant teachings of Jesus. When he says stuff like, you who, um, when your, uh, your child asks for a loaf of bread, would you give them a scorpion? No. So he says, so then you know how to good, give good gifts. Or when Jesus says, don't only love your family and the people who do good to you, because he says, even the Gentiles, even the pagans, Do good to those who are good to them. Be different. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus was completely different, his teaching. And so, how do we mesh up Jesus' answer with the question? Well, maybe I think it's that Jesus wasn't answering his question, who is my neighbor? Maybe Jesus was answering the lawyer's original question. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Maybe the lawyer should have asked not who is my neighbor, but who is my God? For he said, 
to inherit eternal life, I need to love God and love my neighbor. And this guy knew. He knew the textbook. He knew who his God was. I don't need to ask about that. But little did he know, his God was standing in front of him. So obviously this man, this man of wisdom and understanding, couldn't see with eyes of faith as revealed to these children, to those who have a simple trust relationship in their Lord for salvation. And so maybe this story about the Good Samaritan isn't about how we need to be the Good Samaritan and help that Jew who fell off of his horse and was lying half dead. Maybe not yet. When we come to Jesus and we ask him a bunch of questions, like, you know, you imagine, what am I going to ask Jesus when I get to heaven? Like, who wrote, who wrote Hebrews? Or how did the dinosaurs die? Jesus is just going to patiently stand there and wait until you begin to realize that you're cross-examining Jesus when you should just be receiving from him. You're going to cross-examine Jesus with questions until you realize, I am the half-dead man who fell off his horse, fleeing from the holy place of God, Jerusalem, trying to embark on my own life outside of the need of God and relying on him. I am the half-dead man. Maybe Jesus is the good Samaritan. Maybe Jesus says, chill out. You're wounded. You're half dead. Let me care for you first. Receive the oil and the wine. The oil associated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Through the preaching and reading of the word. Through baptism. You know, back in the day, you know, hold your horses for when my child is baptized back there. You might see some oil in a cross on their forehead. The wine poured on his open wounds, Christ's blood shed for you on the cross when he died and rose again, poured on your open wounds. By his wounds, you are healed. You are the half-dead man. Jesus is ministering to you. With both his word and his sacrament. Jesus is the good Samaritan. He is the rejected, hated outsider. Jesus is answering, who is my God? Our God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who picks us up, if you can flip to the beginning of your bulletin. If you're ever doubting how to interpret a scriptural story, just Google the name of the scriptural story, Eastern Orthodox Icon. And they'll lay it for you straight. They painted these things so that people like you and me could look at them and just get it. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus picks us up 
puts us on his own horse and brings us to the inn of his church. A place set up and started to care for and minister to people like you and me. And he lays on the counter two days wages. The the perfection, the perfect obedience to the Father, the, the righteousness of fulfilling the law in his earthly human ministry, he lays that down on the counter for you. He pays for you by his blood, by his death and his resurrection. And when he rises again and you have that new life, In you, he says, I'm departing, I'll be back. And when I return, I'll pay in full. What does paying in full look like? Paying in full means the end of disease, the end of death, the end of the temptations of the flesh. It means no more, oh, I forgot to call my family member for two months. I'm too embarrassed to call him. No more, I hope I don't see him or her at the party. No more, um, you know, I'm too tired to go. None of that. No more, my knees hurt. Jesus will return and he will raise you up and you will be with him for all eternity in the new creation with the good Samaritan. And so I leave you with what he left the lawyer with. You go and do likewise. First experience the Good Samaritan as Jesus ministering for you and learn from the Good Samaritan Jesus how you can be a Good Samaritan. But you can't do the second without the first. You can't serve other people if you don't know what you believe, if you don't know what is spurring you on to good works, if you don't know who died for you, And lives for you even now. If you want to be a good Samaritan. You got to first watch the good Samaritan. If you want to give grace. You need to be shown mercy. If you want to show mercy. Like Jesus says. Be merciful. Like our father in heaven is merciful. Then you need to learn from his son. How to be merciful. How to daily die for others, how to daily live to serve others, can only be found perfectly in Jesus. From this story, we learn how the Lord is merciful, compassionate, and gracious. And so we take those things and we share them. In Jesus' name, amen.